On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had a chance to chat with the one and only Phil Masciolo. We had such a great conversation. He has been in the e-commerce game since 1998. We talked about what happened back then. We talked about how one of the companies that are part of absolutely using PR. We talked about his very favorite marketing tactic. And let me tell you, it is not Facebook ads. It's not Google ads. It's not influencer marketing. You are going to have to listen to this episode to find out what it is. Hey, hey guys, are you struggling to create offers that actually convert? Look no further than our must-have brand new course called Million Dollar Offers. With just a few short videos, you're going to learn the seven essential elements of a million dollar offer and how to leverage the power of AI and chat GPT to iterate on your headlines and your prompts. The great news is that this course is actually completely free. So Google Upgrowth Academy, that's Upgrowth Academy, and looks at the course called Million Dollar Offers. You guys will not regret this one. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. I am really looking forward to this interview, guys. I got on Phil's show a little while ago as well. And today I, I feel like I'm talking to like the OG, like the godfather of e-commerce. It's like, you know, like you think of guys like, like Ezra Firestone. Nah, that was like late 2000s that he got started. Phil was in the game before the dot-com crash, you know? So this is going to just be an awesome conversation. You know, he let me have a lot of free reign with just talking about a bunch of different things. And we had, uh, sorry, I had a great time. I can't speak for Phil, but I, I'll tell you, I had a great, I, I'm going to have to get you to say your last name here because I don't have it down here and I know I'm wrong. So for people who don't know anything about you or what you do, tell us your full name. Yeah, Phil Massiello. I'm the founder of Crunch Growth Revenue Acceleration Agency. Yeah, it was a fun time on on the show. I love the energy. I love I love your enthusiasm for it. I don't know if I'm the OG, but you know, I, I do go back to 1998 when I built my first site. We had retail stores. We were in the food business. We had retail stores. And you know, we thought, hey, there's something to this whole internet. And we started to sell food, meals online. Yeah. And th- again, yeah. before Google, before advertising. So it was really your URL that really made the difference. And we tried. We did it. We scaled up to about a million bucks a year. The problem became that really the distribution network, the UPSs, FedExes, and all that, it was not built out for that. No, they weren't set up for econ no. yet, right? <laughs> like there wasn't, there were, and there wasn't like Amazon or any of these. I don't even think Amazon was even a company. Yeah, then, they, was it? Amazon was out there selling books, you know, and books and CDs. Were they in the late, in the late, in the late 90s? They were already Yeah, around? 96, I think they started. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, that's a whole funny story. I can tell you that, you know, about Amazon. But the funny thing was that, yeah, no, you know, we were trying to look at how Omaha Steaks and Kansas City Steaks and all these guys were selling, you know, through direct-to-consumer, through catalogs and things. So we thought, okay, we'll figure out how to do meals similar to this, you know, frozen yeah. or, or extended life fresh. And so, you know, we made a little bit of headway. We got a lot of press because nobody else was doing it at the time, which attracted an acquisition from a supermarket chain who bought us. And that became the foundation for sort of their e-commerce. The problem that well, occurred was I had to go and do my indentured servitude for a couple of years with them, which I was not keen on. I, I'm not really good working for big companies and with all that red tape. So I, I got to just step in there for one second, guys, because I know a lot of you have, you know, entertained egg over the years. Just remember that um, that is 
that is probably the number one thing, especially in the agency world, you know, about 30 to 40% of the people who listen to this are agency or SaaS people. And that is almost a requirement every single that you get purchased. So just know that that's there. Know how ridiculously difficult it may be, especially if you are a purebred entrepreneur. <laughs> it is not you. You no longer have a seat at the table. This just happened to one of my buddies who sold this agency. You don't have a seat at the table anymore. They just do what they're going to do. You're an employee. Yeah. And it's not as lean anymore. You're not, you know, you're not nimble and lean anymore. It's very structured and meetings and we have to do this and we have to meet about this and we have to meet to have the meeting. And it just, it's not where my head works. So I wasn't good at it. And I'll be the first one to admit it. I drove them all crazy. But then I I had the opportunity to found Raw Beauty with Carol Law. And as she was a model. And it was a it was a raw skincare line, very natural. And and we launched it cool. launched it on the shopping channel. We were on Amazon. We were on we were actually one of the first brands on Amazon outside of books, CDs, movies, and all that when they first opened up the platform and the marketplace for other types of products. And which was, you know, it was great. And and the thing that was interesting was that we we were able to keep our uh, advertising costs and marketing costs down because the scaling was really coming from the visibility we were getting on the shopping channels. We looked at it as we were selling them product. We were selling product on air. So it was like a retail wholesale relationship. But what we got in, in return was the placement of visibility across a national and international, because we were in Canada as well, international right. spectrum. And so it got a lot of visibility, which enabled us a couple of years later to move into retail. We were in Shoppers Drug Mart in Canada. We were in Ulta Beauty, you know, Sephora, places like this. So, you know, I I learned, I looked at that. Those are a lot of doors, just so everybody knows. I heard the Ulta Beauty CEO talk this year at Shop Talk. I think they're much bigger than Sephora even, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I'm not a big fan of brick and mortar retail because, you know, I hear a lot of times entrepreneurs and come up with a product and they want to try and push it into retail. But if you're an unknown in retail and you're going in there, it's expensive because I don't know if you've ever dealt with retail, but you got to pay slotting fees. You've got to pay rebates, discounts, accruals. So I I like to build the marketing, the advertising, the awareness off of retail and then let them pull it in. Because once they want you, then you have leverage to negotiate away all those things. You can negotiate away. Totally. I mean, that's the beautiful thing of, of direct consumer, right? Is that like, we can do that yeah. now, right? We can build a brand that's off of all of these channels and then have them clamoring for your products. Right? That's the that's the absolute beauty. Exactly. So I'm a firm believer in going off platform. And we did that for a bunch of years and we sold it to a division of Johnson & Johnson called Medicia, which was uh, existed in New Jersey. But we also had the idea of doing razors just before all the other stuff happened. And we wound up getting a deal with a major, the second largest razor company in the world to make a razor for us. And, and this goes directly to scaling and trying to figure it out because I would say for the first year, we were struggling. Running ads, we were doing things on social media. You know, it was mostly Facebook then, a little bit of Instagram. And what, what year was it? That was 2011, we launched. And around okay. 2012, okay. we were thinking, man, you know, this is, these ads aren't working. Nothing is resonating. We were trying different messages. So I'm a baseball fan and 
there was a pitcher, a guy named Brian Wilson, who pitched for the San Francisco, 40, San Francisco Giants. A great pitcher. And he had this epic beard. I mean, epic. And he had gotten Tommy John surgery and they traded him to the Dodgers. So I read in the paper that morning that it was the first time he was going to pitch in a year. And they were making a big deal about it. So I had this idea that we would offer him a million dollars to shave with our razor. And all we really wanted was for his people to get back to us and say, we'll discuss it with Brian. That's all we wanted. So yeah. we pitched, we did the pitch and we got back an email saying, you know, we'll discuss it with Brian. So we forwarded that email to our PR firm and we said, guys, you got to do something with this because, you know, we're in discussion. All you have to say is we're in discussions with Brian Wilson to shave his beard for a million dollars. Well, it caught fire because people were outraged that we would offer a guy who's already making multi-million dollars, million dollars to shave with our razor. So we started getting on Facebook, we were getting pictures of everybody and their mother with pictures of their body part. I'll shave this for 10,000. I'll shave this for 5,000. I'll shave my head for 25. I mean, it was hysterical. And then we had the other side where people were just screaming at us. They were so pissed off. But you could still go out and Google it today. You could Google Phil Masiello, Brian Wilson, 800 razors, and you'll see it. it was hysterical. So we were all over. And then Japan, France, they were calling us up and interviewing us. How could we possibly offer a guy a million dollars? So yeah. it lasted about a week to 10 days, right? And, but what happened was all of a sudden we were all over the place. So we got free press out of it and we got orders. I can't remember the exact number, but it was significant. It was, you know, tens of thousands of orders. So about a week later, you know, things started to die down. You know, we're trying to fulfill the orders. We're trying to get everything organized. And TMZ catches Brian Wilson coming out of a gym in Los Angeles. So they say to him, are you going to take the million dollars and shave your beard? He says, I'm not shaving anything for any amount of money. Well, it starts up again because now people are pissed at us that a guy wouldn't take a million dollars to shave his beard. And it started up again. So it was like two and a half to three weeks worth of really good PR. We didn't do anything wrong, right? We didn't do anything harmful. We, we were in discussion. We offered him. Yeah. You told the truth. Told the truth. Right. So nobody, there's no foul, but- for three weeks or four weeks, we were on, we were in Sports Illustrated, we were in, you know, Times, everywhere. And it was hysterical, but it did, it launched us because that gave us the initial run of orders, which then we could use to build on. And we sort of went at the razor business a bit different because we weren't trying to just sell razors. We were looking at razors as sort of a tripwire. We wanted the, we wanted the skincare. We had shave cream, aftershave. We had all kinds of skincare products for men and women. Gotcha. That's what we really wanted. The razors to us, we didn't care if we broke even on selling razors. So, because that was attractive, everybody shaves, right? Everybody wants a good shaver. Everybody's looking for a new razor. So that was really the, the driver there. But yeah, so I tell everybody, you know, every entrepreneur that I coach, that I meet, that I talk to, I, I always say two things. One, try and find a customer to buy your product. Before you start thinking about raising money, before you start thinking about anything else, find a customer who wants to buy your product. And the second thing, figure out a way that's creative to get your message out rather than just running ads or doing that type of stuff because ads, you're going to get thrown into the clutter of all those ads, right? If you can distinguish yourself, yeah. you can do yeah. something really crazy, not harmful, but really crazy to get out there and get into people's mind and where they go, oh my God, 
So there was another razor company that did it too, Dollar Shave Club. They did that that video and it boomed. You know? That's it right. Was, it was huge. So it was yeah, that type of stuff I think is you have to be a bit creative and a bit kooky, but you, you have to always think about how am I going to get my message out in a way that's really going to resonate. Yeah. Well, let's dive into that a little bit, Phil, because I find this really, really interesting, right? Like, you know, you pull this PR sort of stunt. How can brands do that in this day and age, right? Without looking like they're trying to do that, right? How do you get out there and actually create a campaign like that or something that is actually going to create word of mouth? Like, I'd love to just do this as like a thought experiment, right? So let's go with one of my brands. So let's go with Little and Lively. It's a, you know, baby and kids clothing company. What do you do to create that kind of buzz for a company like that? Because I love the idea, but I think a lot of people are probably like, well, what do I do? Like, what's going to catch on? What do people, you know, care about? How am I going to get all this free? Well, I think you have to come up with a shtick. You have to come up with some sort of a stunt that's really fun and funny, not harmful or childish, right? Or stupid. Like yeah. if you could talk about, so for example, if you were saying, hey, you know, we have the most comfortable clothes for babies, right? Something that everybody yeah. wants. You could actually create large size and make them look like baby clothes and stick a bunch of people in them and have them walk around just, you know, sort of for fun. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. or something, some, something silly like that. Or, you know, you could go to the old Joe Namath, you know, back in the 70s when he wore the legs nylons, right? My legs are so important to me that I want to take them, take care of them. And I put them in nylons. You know, it's things like that. You just yeah, have to be yeah. creative with what and understand who your target customer is and what they're going to want. But it has to be, it can't be viewed as stupid. Like I look at some of the commercials yes. where there's the t-shirt one where the guy slaps the other guy and, you know, okay, maybe your t-shirts are good, but I don't think slapping the other guy is really funny or is it going to get the attention to do anything? I mean, you got to think about it. You got to think creatively. You get into a room with a bunch of people that work with you and you come up with some sort of, what can we do that's sort of, that's sort of funny that people are going to view as, as hysterical. And then you do it in a populous area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so from there, what happens? Where do people, like, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are bootstrapping, you know, they're in the kind of mid seven figures, just trying to figure all this kind of stuff out. Where do they go if they can't hire a PR firm or like, what's the next step for them? Well, I mean, it, it, look, PR is just outreach, right? So if you can't hire a PR firm and we still do it, there's nothing that says you can't start outreaching to the reporters yourself or the news channels yourself, right? Yeah. Anybody can get an email address these days and you say, hey, look, nine times out of 10, if all it takes is one or two good ones. I think we hit, the PR firm hit Radar Online and TMZ first. And once it hit there, forget it. You know, they didn't have to do anything else. Everybody started. So then everyone else just picks it up, right? You know, press releases don't really yeah. do it. It's more of a conversation. It's more of a email, direct email. Hey, this is what we did. We're in discussions with Brian Wilson to shave his beard for a million bucks. That's press worthy, right? They go, that's funny. Yeah. Like you're going to pay a guy a million dollars to shave with your razor, right? They want to know the story. Yeah. So they're going to call you back. Brian Wilson's an interesting one too, because not only is Brian Wilson that pitcher that was very, you know, like, I think, I guess famous is the right word, but like infamous as well, just like the way that, that he was. But also Brian Wilson is a beach uh, yeah. boy, right? Like a different Brian Wilson. So you're going to have all of that knock-on <laughs> effect as people are searching up people like that, right? There's just an interesting, there's some other interesting things in there. 
Phil, you know, it's 2020 now. The era of super cheap Facebook ads are done, right? That's that's done. The era of gaming the system on Amazon, that's done, right? I feel like we're kind of entering a phase where legit businesses need to rise up, right? And we need to get our marketing right and really figure this out without just gaming the system. Like we've been able to do a lot of fun, tactical kind of things to grow businesses over the years. And I, I think we're getting more into strategies. What are you seeing over, you know, we're both marketing dudes. What are you seeing over on your side to help your brands grow? It comes down to really creativity and understanding the brand. We, we spend a lot of time really thinking about it. We have one company that's a, that's a client that's in a very boring industry, of con- a segment of construction. And they came to us because they wanted us to run ads to help them get employment because they were running low on drivers for their trucks and things like that. And we started doing that, but it blossomed into other things because we started really doing some fun sort of clip, quick video clips to tap into the ASMR trend on videos on reels, right? For some reason, people okay. love the pouring of concrete and the smoothing of concrete, right? They love it. Oh, that'd be so good for ASMR. Totally <laughs> love it. So yeah. And so you're, you're taking these videos of just the concrete flowing down. And the guy's smoothing the concrete and we speed it up. We slow it down. We do add music to it. It's 45 seconds of just, and it's attracted attention. And it's really sort of, so everybody said, okay, well, that's great that you can do that and you can get a lot of views, but how does that translate into sales? Well, the reality is that in the market that they go from, which is pretty much the East Coast, the contractors see that. And the contractors start calling and they wind up getting drivers who think it's fun to work there. And, you know, all of a sudden the whole thing blossoms. So it gets the end result. Sometimes on social media, people have this, I think, a misconception that they're going to go out there and be able to do tons of money just on social media ads and social media posts. But the reality of it is that social media just supports the brand and gets you in the the customer's eye. And I look at a, a good one is Duolingo. Right. They do all these TikTok videos. They have their Duolingo Owl, right? And they make fun videos and they get a lot of views. And now does that translate into people downloading the app and learning languages? Probably not right away. But when you when at that point in time when you and your friends are saying we're gonna go to Italy for you know a vacation, all of a sudden now you think, well, let me download the Duolingo app, right? Totally. Before anybody else. So it, the stuff that they're doing. I think sometimes you have to do things on social to, to stay in the consumer's forefront and, and form that connection and that bond with them where you're getting across your brand message and you're doing things to get across that brand message. But at the same time, you're, you're giving them some entertainment so that they remember you. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of, you know, kind of out of the box ideas? You know, most people who are on this podcast, they've really been able to grow their business, you know, using Google, Facebook, you know, organic social, those types those types of activities, which are awesome. And they've done a great job of doing that. But I feel like we are entering a phase where we need to start thinking bigger, right? Really thinking bigger. And it's not just thinking some system. What else do you you got for us, Phil? You've got so much wisdom (laughs) over the years. I want to know what else else you got for our people. I I wouldn't say I have so much wisdom. What we do, you're you're 100% right. You have to do Google ads. You have to do Google shopping ads if you're a product company. You've got to do Amazon ads. You've got to do all these things. That sort of lays your foundation. But then when you start to analyze what's happening and what what people get reacted to, what people have reacted to, 
on your ads. And again, video ads, I think 10, 10 to one work much better than static image ads. We, we've almost gotten all, almost fully away from static image ads just because of it's very different. People don't really, I think they scroll by, but we look at what, what they like and then we sort of play off it. And the other thing I'll tell you that we do, we have, you know, we've been using AI just like everybody else does. We, we use it to build content. We use it to do all kinds of things. Sometimes we just use it. I mean, because when you think about the business we're in, right, we've got clients, we have clients that are in, you know, food and in clothing and fashion and in, in beauty and all these different categories. And it's very difficult for us all to try and figure out messaging for all of that. Sometimes you get, a, you get these, you hit a wall sometimes or you thought. So where AI yeah. comes in handy is sometimes we just plug in to, to chat. We'll go, you know, give us some ideas on how we can, you know, talk to the customer about beauty in a fun and enlightening way. And all of a sudden it'll just give us 20 different things. And you start thinking about it and then you go deeper with it. You'll ask more questions, more questions, more questions. The next thing you know, chat just came up with a great idea to do, you know, it, it, it actually just gave us a great idea for a home decor product that we also have, have a client for that we didn't even think of. And it's, it's I think it's going to do quite well, but it's a really fun idea to do with, you know, scrolling and colors on the ad. So, uh, Cool. I mean, this is, I found massive use cases in this, this brainstorming iteration kind of space, right? Where you're like, ah, I just need like a hundred ideas right now. And as a, as, and I think that's where, that's when humans step in and is like, oh, you can see like the highlight on one of them. That's the one. And we need to tweak it just a little bit here. I mean, I'm even thinking about your PR idea, like just create a prompt for it in <laughs> chat. Use one of the plugins, use GPT-4. Use one of the plugins that's going to go and look at your website, right? They, I forget which one got now on for that will actually go in and look at your website and then just give me 30 PR ideas, right? Give me 30 out of the box PR ideas. I'll bet you one of them will absolutely hit, right? So we didn't have, we couldn't do this years. Like one year ago, Phil, we couldn't do any of this stuff. We had to like think about it on our own and we're not all good brainstormers. No, no. And I think. I think too often people are looking at AI products, whether you're using chat GPT directly or a product like a Jasper or something like that, you know, people are looking at that to give them the absolute final solution. And it's not when you can iterate, when you can start using it to brainstorm, when you can use it to give you ideas, that's where the power comes from trying to sit there yeah. and create the absolute final fundamental pro product, I think is the, is the wrong approach. We use it more as a tool, as a brainstorming tool. Certainly we use it to build content and build posts and things like that that are fun and engaging, but just using it to brainstorm, we probably do that once a day. Let's take a quick break. Hey guys, just a quick note from me. You know, if the beginning of this year has been absolutely brutal for ads, you are not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are absolutely struggling. Now, we have not been seeing nearly the carnage that a lot of you out there have been seeing at AppGrowth Commerce. And so I put together this master document. It took me hours upon hours to put together for you guys. And I want to give it to you guys for absolutely free. And so this walks through the three big fixes that we're seeing to fix your Facebook ad account. 
2024. And I really do think that this is the way, again, we're not seeing those issues barely at all in any of the accounts. And we handle a lot of accounts between the brands that I own, between everyone else that we work with at AppGrowth Commerce. We're just not seeing those same issues that a lot of people are seeing. And so I've identified these three huge buckets and I've got a master document that walks through all of that. So if you guys want to go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems. That's upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems and download the resource from there. I think that you guys are going to get a ton from this document and hopefully be able to turn your ad account around. Now, remember, if this is not an issue for you, that's totally okay. <laughs> but if you are having issues with your ad account in 2024, I highly recommend going and downloading that resource again, upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems. Now back to today's episode. Wow. Wow. That's great. And guys, for those of you who are not doing that, just get into the habit of it. It's incredible what comes out. And all of you AI haters out there, most likely you haven't actually been using the tool yeah. because, you know, people are like, yeah, it's it's doing math wrong now. And it's like, have you ever used this yeah. tool before? <laughs> also, you tell me what like 73 times 73 is. Okay. I got a calculator for that. I don't need AI to tell me what, you know, to tell me basic mathematics, but it is funny. I read a lot yeah. of posts and discussions about it on you know various platforms, whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's Reddit or, or so. And and it's true. You, you read the misconceptions about AI and and what it's doing and what it, what you use it for. And I, I shake my head sometimes because you know it's uh, it is a fun it is a fun tool. And I can't personally. We've been using it for probably you know almost a year now, and I can't live without it. I can't live without Grammarly and, and, and AI, and I can't live without, there's another tool that we use to put subtitles on videos and it, it, oh, awesome. it works like a charm. Those three tools is what are, I, I can't live without. And podcast people, if you're linked to this, Riverside is incredible for all of this too. They have just incredible AI tools built yeah. in that like actually will take each one of the, the top clips from this. And then using AI, there's going and find these clips. They'll find five with Phil and I, and they're just gold. Every time I'm like, oh, ah, I, I couldn't even get my assistants to, to find these good clips. So this is a, yeah, this is just a new world that we're living in here. Phil, let's look into the, we're looking a year from now. What, what do things look like in e-com in the general, where are you seeing that we're headed right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, I think e-com is, is definitely continuing to grow, right? We, we know this because. We see what's happening with with stores and with retail, and and it really when when you look at the numbers before COVID, the percentage of penetration for different categories on e-com versus brick and mortar, it, it was still even though e-commerce is big and has been big for a while, it was it barely scratching the surface over brick and mortar, but it's it's continued to grow at an accelerated pace. So I do think that you know obviously e-commerce is going to just continue to grow. The problem I see down the pipe is, and the problem we struggle with today is with costs, shipping costs, especially pick, pack, and ship costs. Yeah. Even Amazon is struggling with shipping costs. And that's why they've implemented that, you know, you save if you pick it up at various locations, whether it's a Kohl's or whatever. And so I think shipping is just going to continue to be a problem until somebody figures out, you know, a technology solution for it, whether it's if, if drones happen or if I think one of the pizza chains is working with autonomous vehicle, autonomous driver vehicles that are just, until somebody figures that out, we're going to get costs out because the customer is not going to continue to, to, to live with 
just pushing more and more costs onto them in, in the term of, in, in, yeah. in terms of raising prices. Amazon just implemented a silly fee, 2% on all vendor, all seller fulfilled prime orders. So if I'm fulfilling my own orders, I'm paying my 15% to Amazon for my, for my listing fee. Plus now I'm paying them 2% for my fulfillment that I'm fulfilling. And I don't understand it. It drove me crazy. I read, I read what they sent me and I, I just, it makes no sense. So, you know, we're trying to push everybody Thanks, into Amazon. FBA, but FBA is, you know, you have to be very, very careful with FBA to make money. Yeah. So. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Phil, I got to ask you the question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? My secret to scaling is I always think about what I can do off of outside of ads. So whether that be trying to do something in the news, trying to do something in the press, trying, like I talked about, trying to come up with some sort of story. We are big proponents of PR, right? Well, everybody talks about influencers. And I'm going to tell you that influencers are, is influence. And it doesn't matter where that influence comes from. Influence can be influence in the press. Influence can be a lot of places. And you don't have to have a PR firm to do it. All you have to have is a way to scrape and get email addresses. Contact a writer. You see somebody writing about a product that you have maybe that's applicable in men's health or a product that's applicable here. Or start locally. If you're a startup company in a, in a, in a town, start with your local TV stations. And then it, it snowballs from there. But absolutely use somebody else's influence to get there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And tell, use their influence and tell good stories. Yeah, tell good stories. And, and yeah. you know, if, yeah. if people latch on, I was watching this morning on, on, on one of the news channels that was streaming. I can't remember, it's like NBC Now or something on streams on YouTube. But they, there was a woman who has a bakery. She's recovering from, I guess, addictions and things, but she recovered and she has this bakery. But she's, she, because of her story, the story of redemption, the story of recovery, She's getting press everywhere. I don't know how good the baked goods are. I don't know if they're great, not great, but I'm going to tell you that she went from nothing to a million bucks in about a year in sales just from telling her story on local news. Yeah. So So that's amazing, Phil. That is absolutely amazing. Really appreciate that. I got three more questions. I hope that you are ready. I'm always ready, born ready. Okay. I knew, I knew you would be favorite tool or app that you're using these days. Favorite tool or app? Jasper, yeah. Jasper AI. It's and I like it because it has built-in built-in templates for different things that we do. Again, the brand piece you can put in your brand. It'll scan your site. It gets to know you. Get to understand the brand voice, the brand messaging. So when you start using chat or when you start using some of these other pieces, part of it because chat's built into it. Then yeah, but I use it. I I use it all day long. That's really good to know. So you use that on top of GPT. Well, GPT is built into it. So everybody's using AI, yeah. right? So chat GPT is just the interface in the chat section. So Jasper has chat built into it and it has brand voice yeah. built into it. And then it has all these templates built into it. So I like it because cool. it's got templates for Amazon, templates for product, templates for all these books and, and all these different things. And you can really go deep. Cool. Well, that's yeah. great. Second question for you: Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? The, my favorite audiobook. I have so there is a woman, Sally Hogshead. I don't know if you have ever heard of her. She's a, a, a no, marketing. I think I would know with that name. She's a. So. <laughs> she's a marketing. I, I think she's a marketing genius. 
And, you know, she's, she, let me get you the name. She's got a couple of books, but the most recent one is, you know, she's uh, fascinate, right? How to fascinate and, and her, you know, how to make your brand impossible to resist. And her whole point is that you can't be the same as you can't go out there and focus on your competition and be the same as them. You have to be different because if you're trying to be the same, you're just going to yeah. lose. So Sally Hogshead, fascinating. And she has this tool on her website where you can go in and put in some information, you know, and, and she'll spit out, it'll sort of spit out a, a foundation of, you know, a plan for you. You can go deeper, you can get involved with her, but I, I love, she's got a bunch of books, but her, the, the one fascinate, I think is, is, is a great book. Cool. Guys, we'll make sure to put all of those things that we talked about today down in the show notes. So links to that book will be down there. Anything that Phil and I have talked to today will be down in the show notes. So remember to that out there. Phil, last question for you. You just found out that you have a year to live. What changes? If I found out I had a year to live, what changes? Yeah. Oh, I would probably stop working and, and just my kids. I have four, four kids in, in college in different parts around the country. So I think I just spend the last year driving around, seeing them on a, on a rotating basis. So with my dogs. I don't think I've had anybody say that they wouldn't just stop working. You know, it's funny because we love, <laughs> I love to work. I love to have conversations like this. I love to build things. And yet it's not the point. Yeah. You know, like, cause, cause once you're faced with your, your mortality, you're like, oh yeah, wait, that was never the point. Yeah. This all was doing this for this, right. For this other thing. So well, I like, I, I, I love to work. I do. And I love what I do. And I've loved it since I was young. And it really drives me. I don't have a day that I don't enjoy it. But I think if I, if, if my time were finite and I knew it were finite, then, you know, there's just no sense in, in spending it, you know, working. And I, I just travel, like I said, I just, I'd probably get an RV and drive around the country, visiting my kids at college all the way on a rotating basis with the dogs and the wife. That would be great. That'd be a great last year. <laughs> it would be. Bill, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so Where people connect with you as well. Any of the other things that you're up to right now? My website, philmassiello.com is a good one. You know, crunchgrowth.com or uh, you can find me on social media at philmassiello. So I'm, I'm everywhere. Awesome. I'm everywhere. Yeah, you, you really are, Phil. Well, thank you again so much for your time today. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, Jordan. I, I, I loved it.